those type of things just really helped me lock in more than ever. It really doesn't matter, but uh, I've been as locked in as I've ever been in my career. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening from. It is so good to be back. It is incredibly good to be back at the podcast, just chopping it up, talking shop with the with the old man here, Spaz. And man, we got a lot to get into. I feel like it's been so long. I think the last time we talked, it was like, yeah, there was no playoffs going on. Sports was boring. NFL was dead per usual. I just feel like it was it was a boring time. Now we're we're in the you know playoff bonanza. Obviously, kicking things off, you went to the Grizz play-in game. Kind of talk to me about that. Yeah, a great atmosphere, a great amount of fans. They said it was twenty percent capacity. It was really like forty. I want some money. I know you want some money. We expected them to beat the Spurs in a one-game series, uh, but we did not expect the Grizzlies to beat the Warriors. And I think you lost your car, and I know I lost three <laughs> three months worth of rent on the Grizzlies Warriors play-in game. Yeah, this was this one sucked for me. I got fucking kneecapped by the Warriors. It was so bizarre. I mean, you you see a team like, you know, the Grizzlies who, you know, again, I have to be honest with you. I know you're a Grizzlies fan a little bit, you know, here and there. I know the Sixers are your team, but, you know, you see a team like the Grizzlies. They're just a boring team. You know, they got John Morant. They got they have Jaron Jackson, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of, you know, they got a couple guys here and there, but they kind of remind me of like, the Sacramento Kings, just like, are they even still in the league kind of team? And they come out, they, you know, they play the Warriors after the Warriors gave the Lakers everything they could handle and they fucking win. And now the Warriors are out. Everyone was preaching about Warriors are going to make a deep run. Fuck them. They're out. I mean, what, what's your take on the playoffs so far? We're, you know, really a, a game in and, you know, the playoff field is set. What's your take on this thing so far? Well, keeping you up with the Grizzlies, I know this is a snoozer for a lot of people, like you mentioned. It's a boring franchise, but I want to talk about Jaron Jackson. He is absolutely dog shit. They barely beat the Jazz. <laughs> they almost blew the lead against the Jazz, and he's part of the reason. Seven points, three rebounds. He had the worst plus-minus of the whole night at minus 19. He is dog shit. But this Grizzlies team reminds me of a We Believe Warriors. I think they are an underdog that can make a run. I've said it all year, the Western Conference especially. Seeding doesn't matter at all, especially with the shortened season. These guys are resting. As far as my other uh, NBA playoff analysis, I would say the Lakers are in trouble if they cannot win this game tomorrow. Yeah, that's actually a perfect segue because that was my next question. Obviously, you're the NBA guy. And for some of the listeners that know, I'm actually here in Phoenix. I'm in Arizona, just outside of the downtown Phoenix area. And everybody that lives here, everybody that I know, you know, it's, it's Suns this, Suns that, and it's just, I mean, are the Suns, can, can the Suns do this? Be honest, can the Suns win this, this matchup? Yeah, they certainly have the momentum. Obviously, when you're going against LeBron and AD, you never want to bet these guys out or count them out, but Mikhail Bridges really stepping up to his role. A lot of these guys on the Suns have really taken up the leadership from CP3 and listened to him as a veteran, and obviously DeAndre Aiden, that we just thought last year he was a bust because he wasn't doing shit. And then he has an outstanding performance against the Lakers, 21 points, 16 rebounds. He out-rebounded AD. AD only had seven rebounds, and Drummond had nine. I mean, absolutely brilliant performance by this young Suns team. I don't think they will get past the Lakers, but if they do, they can certainly win it all. It's just a young core that needs this playoff experience. 
Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm hearing. And again, it's just it's a weird thing being out here again because it, to me, growing up, you know, I was always hearing about the Pistons. Again, I grew up in Michigan. Everyone was big on the Pistons, especially at the time, 2004, when they won the finals. They beat the Lakers. R.I.P. Kobe. Wish he would have won that one because I fucking hate the Pistons. But regardless, everyone's always talking Pistons. You know, it's it's the Motor City. Everyone loves the basketball team. I feel like no one talks about the Suns either. It's kind of like a, a little bit of like the Grizzlies. And I know the Suns haven't been there in forever but you know again as soon as i come down here to phoenix everyone's big on the suns everyone loves their sons you turn the radio on it's you know some some lady on the radio talking about you know sun's playoff game game two baby let's go we love run you know some shit like that and it's like damn i didn't even know the suns were like that out here like i didn't know the suns had a fan base even to begin with i mean as an nba fan let me ask you this do, do you think the suns actually have a fan base or is this uh you know a little bit of a fair weather thing going on yeah, I think it's a combination of both. If you look at last year, they had the miraculous undefeated run in the bubble and still didn't make the playoffs. So I think that built the momentum of this fan base. And with CP3 just being a great addition, having young guys and a star like Devin Booker, and he really is a star. He might not be a superstar, but he's a face of this franchise who could become a superstar later on. He could become one of these faces in the NBA. I mean, the guy had almost a triple-double. He had 34 points against the Lakers yesterday. Absolutely stud. The Suns don't have the best fan base, but you're going to see more and more fans come out as they have more success. Yeah, very true. I, mean, I feel like that's with any team as well. But And one thing that a lot of people didn't know is, and I honestly, again, I, I'm not the biggest NBA guy in the world. I'm probably going to get fucking clowned for this one. But fucking Shaq was on the Suns. He was a Phoenix <laughs> Sun. Yeah. I, I had no idea. You know, people were saying they called him the big Shaq this when he came out here. Yeah. I, I had no idea. I know he was on the Celtics. He was on. The Magic, the Lakers, obviously, um, the Heat. And I, the guy's been fucking ever. The guy's been passed around more than a, you know, a cheap date in Guam. But anyways, <laughs> I wanted to ask you as we kind of wrap up some of this NBA play-in playoff talk, what's your what's your prediction here? I know we, we were big on the Lakers, you know, at the beginning of the season. And even as we got closer to the playoffs, are you still are you still bullish on the Lakers here? It's very tough with this Suns matchup. However, I am still going Lakers-Nets. I know it's the most boring fucking cold take of all time. Everyone has it. I think the Nets get past the Sixers in a game seven, and the Lakers just, after they get over this Suns slump, as long as it doesn't go to seven games, I think they gentlemen sweep the rest. I think LeBron and AD figure it out. However, I have the Nets winning it all this year. I have them winning in six games. Yeah, and I think that is that's kind of the safe play for sure. I, on the other hand, would love to see some chaos ensue. I mean, if you're asking me from a, you know, a normal standpoint, you got to obviously have to say that's Lakers, but um, you know, it just kind of seeing what, how things are playing out here. I don't know. I mean, I like the Suns a little bit. Maybe that Valley air is getting to me a little bit, you know, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, honestly, I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say it right now. It's Knicks. It's going to be Knicks, Lakers or Knicks, Suns. The Knicks are getting there. The Knicks are good, definitely going to get there if it's not the Nets. Uh, I know they got beat game one. Trey Young, buzzer beater. He looks like that little fucking creature from Mario that, you know, you jump on. He's <laughs> yeah. got the little hair. People are always passing that meme around. I love that because that's exactly who he is. But, um, uh, you know, again, just watching some of that game, game one, Madison Square Garden, just a zoo. I mean, I love it. You know, NBA playoffs, they're back. The playoff atmosphere is back. Crowds are back. And I honestly, even in the NHL too, I mean, NHL, I think they got hit the hardest when it comes to, you know, the playoffs, because all about the playoffs is all about the energy, the atmosphere. And, you know, it's just good to see the crowds back, but 
Other but, than that, I, like I said, I got Knicks, Lakers. Crowd, crowds are not all the way back, and let me explain. The Clippers cannot sell a damn ticket. Their average ticket cost, and you're talking about a Clippers playoff game, is $33. The average Lakers what? ticket cost, yeah, average, t- average Lakers ticket cost is 267 How are the Clippers not selling these tickets? It's absolutely insane. Before I let you go on the NBA talk, I got to ask you, what's your favorite matchup so far? Mine's got to be the Knicks-Hawks. Julius Randle lost everybody money yesterday. He did not do shit. He did absolutely nothing for his team. He actually had a minus five. But this Hawks-Knicks series, I think, is going to go to seven. Every single game is going to be a two, three-point game. That's my favorite matchup. I want to hear yours. Yeah, I love this matchup, too. Again, just the atmosphere in in the garden. It's been crazy. I mean, when's the last time? I, I mean, I couldn't even tell you the last time the Knicks made the playoffs here. I'm going to look it up um, just for the for the viewers' sake. But regardless, I mean, the, the Madison Square Garden, it's a zoo. I like that matchup. But if I'm going to pick a favorite, I'm, I got to say, man, it's tough. But I'm going to have to say Suns-Lakers, right? I mean, it's the 2-7. Normally, you see a 2-7, and you're like, oh, you know, it's, it's going to be a blowout from the 2. But right now, the two is kind of the team that's not, you know, not expected to win this thing. And to tail back on my last point, it looks like their last playoff appearance was in that 2012, yeah, 2012, 2013 season where they did make it to the semifinals and they got uh, beat by the Pacers. Yeah, I think I think they beat the Celtics in that 2012 round. That was a good. Yeah, was uh, that was that big three Celtics? Yeah, it was also if you want to consider a big three Knicks, but the Knicks are dog shit. Uh, also, <laughs> dog shit is I would say the Oilers, man. What are they doing on the hockey ice? Oh, dude, I, you know what? This is this is going to be an interesting one for me to talk about. I'm still a little bit hurt. The scar is still there. The wounds are still open and fresh. So, I, I mean, you're looking at at the North Division. You know, obviously they're stuck in Canada. Canada doesn't know how to get COVID under control. And you know, you you look at the Oilers and the Leafs as the best teams to come out of the north and the oilers are just playing like absolute shit and they just you know again you you see the winnipeg jets they're an okay team right but heading into the playoffs they lost like 10 of their last 13 games on an absolute skid and you know they go into they play they play the oilers in the playoffs and they're just racing them they're just absolutely boat racing this team and we've gotten killed on these multiple times you know we took the oilers in game one which again should have happened it should have hit we got beat on it we took oilers in game two obviously got smoked on that one and then we go ahead and we try to take the oilers here in game three and what do you think happens oilers are up four to one late in the third and they just melt down they just have it just it's a total meltdown and they blow it for you know again four one lead blow it goes into overtime they lose they're down 3-0 in that series i'm praying they get swept but between me and you uh, I'm going to have to go Oilers again in game four. I mean, right. I mean, how can you not go Oilers again in game four? But other than that, I, I think that the NHL playoffs have been exciting. I know a lot of the Florida fans have been absent throughout, even though they have a Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay lightning matchup. That's been electric so far. Although I think the lightning end that series tonight, they're up three, one in that series. They're going to end that tonight. Again, I, I still like lightning to win it all, but have you been watching much NHL playoffs yourself? Yeah, I've watched a lot. I noticed the Bruins swept the Caps. I won some money on the Bruins, but the Oilers just really disappointed me, man. If I had to predict anything, I really couldn't in the NHL. I like the Avalanche. I like how they swept the Blues. I mean, you're the NHL guy. Give me your Stanley Cup final prediction. 
Yeah, so I'm, gonna, I'm still going with the Lightning. I think the Lightning are the safe play, and it looks like the Avalanche are going to come out of that other side. You know, they're just blowing apart the Blues. I know the Blues aren't exactly the, you know, most intense team in the world, but you actually – I forgot they played last night in the Blue – or they swept them, so they're, they won that series. They're going to play the winner of Vegas and the Wild, which is obviously going to be Vegas. I think the winner of that series is going to move on to the Stanley Cup just because, again, out of, out of the, you know, the North you have – the Leafs, the Canadians, the Oilers, and the Jets, all of a joke. Honestly, if you really even look at the left side of the bracket, there, there's not much going on there versus the right side. I mean, every single one of these teams on the right side could win the championship. You have the Penguins, you have the Islanders. That series is tied at 2-2. Boston just beat the Capitals 4-1. Boston's obviously always a great team. Then you have, I guess going back to your original, yeah, your original question or your, yeah, your original question, I, I would say my favorite matchup is going to be, you know, Carolina and the Predators right now tied 2-2. Carolina is the number one seed out of that right side out of the, is this the West? I don't know, whatever it is. They're, they're the number one seed out of that. And they're playing great. They're playing absolutely great hockey. But, you know, they dropped the last two. So we have an interesting season or a series developing there. But again, just that right side of that bracket's loaded. I mean, do you have a favorite uh, matchup as far as you know the the playoffs are, are shaking down? Uh, no, I've been pretty much watching them all equally. I would say probably Islanders, Penguins, because that's tied, or the Maple Leafs, Canadians. I don't care who wins as long as it's not the Tampa Bay Lightning. Fuck Tampa Bay fans. I don't want to see any fake Lightning fans. I don't want to see any fake Rays fans. You know, they won ten in a row, about to be eleven yeah. in a row. I don't want to see any fake fans because that's what Ford is known for. Yeah, facts. And I'm not, it's not even just with hockey. Hockey is, is heightened 10 times. And I'm sorry, Florida fans. You know, honestly, I'm going to go off on Florida fans because I know for a fact they're not listening right now. They skipped the hockey segment. They heard us talking about the NHL. They probably skipped right now. So there's no one listening as far as the Florida fans go. But you guys are just you're fake fans. I'm sorry, but you're just fake fans. You know, you look at any chart as far as fan loyalty. You're at the bottom. The Jags are at the bottom. The Dolphins are at the bottom. The, 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 the Buccaneers are at the bottom. Yeah, and I'm just talking NFL. I mean, you talk about baseball. The most empty stadium in the world is the Tampa Bay Rays. Don't even get me started on the Miami Marlins. And it's like, who do you guys – is there a sport team that you guys actually like? Let me know. I mean, DM us. Send us send us a tweet. Let me know if you guys actually are in Florida, born and raised, and you care about Florida sports. So I'd love to hear from you. And I want to ask you something. I think they should move the Rays. I don't know if you saw today they're trying to move the athletics to Portland. I think uh, they should definitely not move the athletics. It sucks. Oakland already lost their basketball team. They already lost their football team. If they're going to move the A's, I hope they don't fucking move them to Vegas. But if they should move any franchise, it should be the Tampa Bay Rays. And I know they've talked about, you know, moving them back to Montreal, but they really need to. If, if you have a team right now who's won 10 in a row and fans can't show up, like what the fuck's going on, man? And it's in the yeah. arguably the best historic division in baseball. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you're playing, you know, you're playing the Yankees all season. You're playing the Red Sox all season. You're playing the Blue Jays, who, you know, again, they, they've been hit and miss in the last few years. But they're all great teams. Why are you not going to see these games? These games are empty. I mean, it, it, you know, when the Yankees are in town, at least for my team personally, the Tigers, when the Yankees, the Red Sox are in town, the tickets skyrocket. The place is packed. I mean, it's just a madhouse. You know, you watch the Yankees and the in the Rays. You watch the Red Sox and the Rays. It's empty. It is constantly empty. And I don't know what. I, I don't know. I mean, again, Florida fans, if you are listening, please let me know what the case is. Why do you guys hate sports so much? I need to know. I need to know. 
But I, I guess just kind of keeping it on baseball here, um, I wanted to get to you and your story. You had a Padres story that you've been blowing me up um, outside of the podcast. And, uh, you know, tell me about this Padres story. What is this infamous Padres story that, you, that you've been wanting to tell me about? I had a lot of beef with the Padres, mainly just them blowing leads. But the story I wanted to talk about was when they actually played the Cardinals a few days back. Nolan Arenado is a no-run first-inning killer. He is a bad beat killer. He is everything. He should be MVP. The Padres almost blew this lead to the Cardinals. They're up 5-2 to two in the ninth, top of the ninth. Cardinals come back. They end up losing 5-4. to four. Padres were a minus one and a half favorite, and it's fucking Nolan Arenado, man. He crushed the Padres that whole series. He's been crushing everybody. Padres, it seems like, have always has that one guy they cannot figure out when it comes to pitching. I'm sold, selling all my Padres stock. I'm sold on the Padres. Fuck them. I do not want them to win anymore. Yep, and it, I, I want to agree with you, and I want to say, you know, fuck Tatis too, fuck the Padres, fuck the gang, but – they're starting to win me over a little bit. I kind of like the way they play. I don't know if you saw that big ass fucking necklace that they got whenever you hit a home run. Like they got some swagger over there and I kind of like it. I kind of like what they're doing with baseball. So we'll see how it develops over the year, over the season, but I'm starting to like the Padres. And it's so weird because you were big on the Padres before the season started. I hated the Padres and now we've kind of switched roles here. Um, Are you still a big Tatis guy? Yeah, I, I mean, I just like seeing those bigger type of guys go off. And also, Padres won nine in a row. But uh, as I became more of a baseball fan, I actually wanted to share a story. I went to my first minor league game, and that shit was insane. They need to make every single major league baseball game modeled after the minor league system. And it was $2 beer night. The t- dude in the crowd told me three days a week, it's it's $2 beer night. That's damn near every home game. All season, you know, we got in for free. We normally, you know, I would buy tickets in advance, but I'm showing up thinking, fuck it, it's a minor league game. I show up. I say, hey, how much are tickets? The guy is like, are you here for $2 beer night? I say, yes. He lets us in for free, full capacity, not a mask in sight, not a mask anywhere. I catch a foul ball. Long story short, the scouting for the Redbirds, the Memphis Redbirds and the St. Louis Cardinals department came up to me and said, Hey, man, I know you noticed you caught that foul ball, but uh, you spilled a beer on one of our scouts. So I go the fuck off and say, why is one of your scouts sitting next to me in a game? He should be in a box office. He should be doing something. That's on him. That's on on, not on me. I almost fucking fought the guy. True story. $2 beer night gets rowdy. I would like to see that in the MLB stadiums (laughs) everywhere. Yeah, I love that. You imagine $2 beer night when the the Yankees are playing the Astros. Someone would get murdered. Someone would completely get murdered or imagine two dollar beer night dodgers padres coming down the stretch <laughs> that would be like, the, geez, okay. that would be what the fifth time a fans died at a dodgers giants game dodgers padres <laughs> yeah I, you know with those with those injuries they probably should hike those beer prices up a little bit more maybe not even sell beer over there i don't know but uh one thing that i wanted to break down a little bit i want to go on a rant so before i do go on my rant here a little bit i want to ask you just because we've seen a flurry of no-hitters. We've seen six so far. It's not even June 1st, and we've seen six no-hitters. What's your take on this? Because I'm about to go off. I think there's a hitting problem in baseball. We go through these waves of – we were through the steroid era where there's too much hitting and not enough pitching, and now it just seems like it's just pitching duels left and right. And don't get me wrong, I like it. It speeds up the game. I like to see two aces go at it. But what is the deal with why is there so many no-hitters? I think there's too many. 
Yeah, and this is so this is a thing that it's gone super under the radar and they're still not talking about obviously for for good reason because the MLB they made a mistake. They fucked up. And that mistake is the MLB and I remember hearing about this back in January, they are going to alter the baseballs for the 2021 season. Again, this this came out. I remember I was freaking out. No one even cared. He was like, "Oh, you know, people hit too many home runs, blah blah blah, this and that." But this this is a real thing. I mean, you can look this up. They said MLB is going to alter baseballs for the 2021 season. And it's showing right now they missed the mark, right? I mean, they made this thing unhittable. We have six no-hitters before June. I mean, at the end of this season, we're going to see probably 20 no-hitters, realistically. And it, it just kind of ruins the game a little bit. You know, my Tigers threw a no-hitter. Again, I'm super excited. Spencer Turnbull, you know, good for him. It's, it's a huge thing in franchise history. But at the same time, when it's the sixth, well, at the time it was the fifth, and at the at the season, it's just like, well, fuck, it's kind of boring now. It's not really as special. It's a Mickey Mouse no-hitter, as some of you NBA guys say. And, again, it, it just goes back to exactly what the MLB said they were going to do. They were going to alter the baseballs because too many people were hitting home runs. Um, and just, again, looking at this article, they said, after the league saw a record 6,776 home runs hit in 2019, um, which obviously was the last 162-game season, the home run rate fell from 6.6 of plate appearances uh, in 19 to 6.5 during the pandemic. And they said it was still too high. They said this was still too high for home runs. Justin Verlander has always been bitching about the fucking ball. He said they're juicing the balls. And again, they alter it. And look what you have. You have just no hitters left and right. You have batting averages, you know, hovering around 230, 250, you know, low home runs other than like Acuna and Otani. So it's just boring. They've ruined the sport. I think they're going to pull way back on it because they know they made a mistake. But this is something that's interesting to me because, again, it's it's gone under the radar. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody's talking about how the MLB fucked all this up. This is the MLB's fault. This isn't, you know, a hitter problem. You know, I see a lot of people saying, oh, you know, hitters are just hitting for power, not contact anymore. No, it, none of that has changed. What has changed is the MLB fucked up and they made a mistake. But, again, that that's mm -hmm. my 60-second 90 second rant but i just had to get that off my chest especially after my tigers threw a no hitter yeah and you got bums like wade miley with a 4.23 era 34 years old throwing one that's ridiculous and yeah get, dude honestly put me on the mound with that baseball i would probably go six hitless i guarantee <laughs> i go six hitless right now against the fucking mariners i love it and uh, we actually had a twitter dm question from uh, this guy from Guam. We got a lot of Guam listeners. Shout out to you guys. He said, what do you guys think makes Shohei, Shohei Otani so great at hitting home runs? And I would answer, pretty simple. He's a pitcher. If you look at Mark McGuire, I would argue greatest home run hitter of all time. I know you guys would crucify me. He was a pitcher his whole career until he got to the pros. Once he got to the athletics, Tony La Russa said, hey, man, we have noticed you're in back to batting practice. You're not going to pitch anymore. But why Mark McGuire was so great, he could read pitches. He knew which pitches to take. I think it's the same thing with Otani. I think this guy's going to be a stud. I would like to see him break the record for most home runs in a season. Yeah, you know, that's actually a really good point now that you – honestly, now that you bring that up, I've never really thought about that. Um, another big baseball player, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the name Babe Ruth, but, yeah, he was actually a pitcher too. Um, obviously, a, you know, a huge home run hitter. And then you look at guys like Zach Greinke, Madison Bumgarner. Maybe the pitcher just doesn't get enough love because, again, you know, they're focusing on their craft, which is throwing the ball. And they don't really focus on hitting the ball, but they, they can they can rake. I mean, if you're focused on hitting just because they, they I guess they have a good eye for the ball. 
But that's interesting about Mark McGuire. I had no idea about that. But, yeah, I mean, Shohei Otani has been going absolutely off this season. You said you love this guy. What, what's your, your infatuation with Otani? I think he's the greatest player we've ever seen. And I'm sorry, Mike Trout, that I said that. But I think anytime you can see an ace who's just an absolute stud strike out three guys and then hit a home run is just insane. We're never going to see that. And what really intrigues me about him is he's got a squad. Obviously, they just traded Pujols to the Dodgers. But you got Mike Trout. You got some of these guys where you should make a run. There's no excuses. If the Angels don't make a playoff run this year, you got to rebuild or something because Trout can't stay there forever. Yeah, I totally agree. Even though I think Trout's not even the second best player or the third best player, I got Buki bets before anybody else. But anyways, I digress on that. It's actually really funny that we're talking about this. I literally pull up ESPN.com to um, – I was going to look up some stats and stuff, and I see front page right there. It's the Tigers after they had their no-hitter. And the caption is, has the rise of no-hitters made them less special? Here's what major leaguers have to say. And I'm not going to read it. I don't care to read it. I know they're not going to say anything about the fucked up new baseball, so I'm not going to care to read that. But, again, it just kind of goes back to our point. Yes, it does make them less special. If they happen more often, they're going to be less special. That's just facts. Uh, but I wanted to talk about, before we switched into the NFL, because I know you had some stuff there, I wanted to talk about some of the run differentials, because this is my favorite time of the year where it's it's still weird to have some of these run differentials on some of these teams. And so what team, for example, that has a really weird run differential for their record is the Oakland A's. You have the Oakland A's, who is, they're a top 10 team in the entire league, and they're sitting at 28 and 20. So they're not, you know, they're not, you know, above 500 by one or two games. They're above 500 by eight games, and their run differential is minus 11. So I don't know how that is even possible. You know, they're eight games over 500, yet their run differential is minus 11. And then you have a team, you know, again, like the Marlins. Unfortunately, no one cares about the Marlins because no one cares about, you know, sports in Florida. But you have a team like the Marlins who are 22 and 24, you know, two games under 500, and yet their run differential is plus 13. You have the Braves who are under 500 by one game at 23 and 24, and their run differential is plus 11. So it just, again, it's, it's that time of year where it's just so weird to see some of these teams that they're above 500 and their run differential is negative. And then you have teams that are below 500 and their run differential is positive. But that's all I got for the MLB right now. Uh, you know, we're officially in full swing. Uh, I'm loving the season so far. I'm loving just as the season's going on to just more and more fans, more and more crowds. But I, I wanted to pass it over to you and, you know, kind of get into the NFL a little bit here as we are just about in that that time where we are the furthest possible away from the last game played and the next game being played. So talk to me about what's going on in the NFL. Yeah, if you want to win free money, which I know a lot of you guys like, I have a free bet for you guaranteed money it is plus 450 odds and that is where julio jones will sign next the favorite is the dumbest bet it's a trap bet falcons plus 150 he's made it known he does not want to return he already asked for a trade it came out today he asked for a trade months ago the patriots at plus 450 hammer that for julio jones next landing spot he's made it vocal he wants to go to win he wants to go to winning system and he wants to play with cam his boy but a dark horse would be the Packers, plus 1,000. Maybe you could sprinkle that if they're trying to get A-Rod to stay. Oh, I uh, like that one, actually. However, I say it is free money, Patriots plus 450 that Julio Jones signs with them. And this is May 24th, and we will come back to this clip when he signs with the Patriots. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow, I, so I, I hadn't looked at any of the odds or anything where Julio is going. So here's my thought process on this one. So 
for the for the Patriots to come out and get a big name wide receiver, I've never seen it happen. Maybe I'm just missing missing the mark here. I know they've they've picked up uh, Randy Moss, but he at the time he wasn't like the greatest. He was kind of past his prime a little bit. But other than that, they've they've never really gone after a big name wide receiver. Maybe that changes now. But honestly, to kind of hear that at plus a thousand for the Packers, I think the Packers need this if they're going to keep a Rod happy. Imagine if they picked up Julio in the offseason. A-Rod's happy. Everybody's happy. He stays in Green Bay. They'd probably win a fucking Super Bowl. Um, that's interesting. Maybe sprinkle a little bit on both there. I mean, at plus four, four whatever it was, and then plus 1,000, I would say sprinkle a little bit on both at least, right? Definitely, for sure, if you want to make some money. Yeah, I would say sprinkle a little bit on both there. But, yeah, I think avoiding the Falcons is a good call there. And then speaking of calls, you said that we had a question regarding the NFL season. Was that correct? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play it now. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, so I got a question mostly for Wolf. I know he's a Lions fan, but I'm thinking everybody has Stafford as their, like, dark horse MVP candidate. I'm wondering, what do you think – well, do you think that now's Rams – are better than the 2014 Lions, which was probably Stafford's best best talent around him. So we have like Calvin Johnson, Reggie Burris, Golden Tate, and that crazy defense. So what do you think? All right. So he wants to know if you think this current Rams team is better than the 2014 Lions. That's a good question. Before I give my take, I'm actually curious to hear. I know you said it was more directed towards me because I'm the Lions fan, but what's your take on that one? Obviously, look at Aaron Donald, look at the weapons. It's not even close. I expect yeah, them to that, win three more games. Th- that was kind of my thought. Um, obviously, you have, uh, you know, Matt Stafford's got a ton more time under his belt. He's way more experienced. And I, I th- again, as, as a Lions fan, you got to kind of look at the entire organization. And at the time, the head coach was Jim Caldwell when they went 11-5 and five in 2014. And I liked Caldwell. I thought he was a good coach. But the problem is, you know, is that he's no Sean McVay, right? You, you look at a guy like Sean McVay, and I don't think anybody's better right now as a coach than Sean McVay, given his age. I mean, you got Bill Belichick, I think, is one of the all-time greats. You know, we have some other guys out there. But given this guy's age, I think Sean McVay is the greatest. They have an insane defense. They have like 45 running backs in that fucking system. And I don't know. I, I think I think the, the Rams are, are better than that, that 2014 Lions team. I would say with a 17-game season now, I like I, I really like the the Rams to go. I'm gonna say 13 and four at the worst, but I could see them going 14 and three. What did you say that they were gonna go? You said they were gonna get two or three more wins than the than the Lions were Definitely. that year. Yeah, definitely. I think it's easy money, but I don't really care yeah. for Lions. As you know, I'm a Tigers fan. I got my Tiger apparel, and that begs the yeah, question. Yeah, you're repping right now. Is Tiger or Phil better? Ooh, this – see, I get, I get kind of roasted on for this a lot, but I, I think Tiger is the greatest golfer of all time. A lot of people clown him. He's like, oh, you know, he doesn't even have the most majors, blah, 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 Jack Nicklaus, this and that. Listen, the thing is – is that Tiger's been hurt so much of his career, and when he's healthy, he is by far the best. He would fucking put Jack Nicklaus in a body bag if he could, if they were both in their prime and they're playing. But I know that's not the question. The question is he's better than Phil, and I think he is. But going back to it, I mean, shit, you got to give credit to Phil. 50 years old, really almost 51 years old. His birthday's in a couple weeks. And, you know, winning a major championship against that field, 
beating Brooks Kapka, you know, pretty much head to head down the stretch there. The guy's got fucking balls. I'll give him that. Um, and we'll, we'll see, you know, what Tiger does in the upcoming years. If he even decides to continue to play golf, obviously that's a huge thing. And, you know, the goat talk is longevity. And I think Phil's shown he's got the longevity, but I mean, what do you think? I know, you know, you've kind of gotten into golf a little bit more this year. What's your, what's your take on this? Yeah. The best golfer ever in the PGA is the one who did not play because you just saved years of stress <laughs> and boredom. Golf is boring as fuck. If you're playing it, that's a different story, but I wanted to talk about your boy, your background. We've been waiting for it. I'll let yeah. you get into it. You know who I'm talking about. Where the fuck is he over here? He he leads no, he needs no introduction from catching bodies on the court to catching bodies <laughs> off the court. It is your man. Keith Appling. Oh man, this guy. So I, I got a fun story about this one. So growing up, um, you know, we're talking 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013 just in that prime of Michigan state basketball, I was a huge Keith Appling fan. And admittedly I had bought a Michigan state Jersey, a number 11 Michigan state basketball Jersey. It didn't say Appling on the back because you know, the whole rights shit and you know, that whole mess, but it was, it was a Keith Appling Jersey and I bought it for him, bought it because of him. And then on his, his senior year, the Michigan state Spartans, they're loaded. I mean, everyone's saying that no one's going to stop them. They're winning the championship. And they get to the Elite Eight against UConn, UConn men's basketball. I'm not talking women's basketball here. And UConn, they fucking blow apart Michigan State. Again, Keith Appling's senior year, he puts up zero zero points, zero points in that game in the Elite Eight. He had like 11 assists or whatever, but he put up zero points. They lost. Um, as, As a young Michigan State fan, I was devastated. I was crying all night. I actually ended up burning my Appling jersey. And from that point on, he was dead to me. Now, fast forward to 2021, May 24th, I read the headline, Keith Appling arrested for a fatal gunshot killing or, or whatever the fucking headline was. You know, he, he, was, he was found guilty. Actually, I guess not found guilty yet, but he's been arrested for a, a fatal shooting in Detroit. And just some of these guys, they just don't, you know, they don't learn. They never can get out of the hood, you know, and and it sucks to see it. But for me, Keith Appling has been in jail for the last eight years. I've never even heard of this guy since, but that's my story on Keith Appling. It's, it's, you know, it sucks to see a guy like this end up like this, probably going to get life in prison. Actually, I I don't know. I don't know how, you know, what's going to shake out of this, but what's your take on this? I mean, back in the day, I remember we, me and you used to talk. You're you're a bit of an Appling fan as well. Obviously, not to the length that I was, but you still liked Appling. Yeah, I mean, from going to wearing number eleven to shooting somebody eleven times, it means a <laughs> lot to me to follow this guy. I think your jersey's worth a lot, but I want to give this guy. I burned it, dude. It's gone. It's it's in ashes right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just like his career, but I want to give him the inaugural career bad beats award, courtesy of the Bad Beats podcast brought to you by locked sports i wanted to give keith appling the career bad beats award it's pretty self-explanatory he had the worst bad beat as far as a career go i mean you can't get any worse than a college star with all the dreams ahead of you to a prison cell with several dudes around you wanting to be booty bandits so shout out to keith appling man career bad beat (laughs) award of the year and we're going to give someone next year Hopefully not another Michigan State basketball player, but we'll give it a word out next year as well. And uh, 
I wanted to ask you if you had any LaFleurs of the week, which if you are a new listener, it's kind of like Jackass of the week. Yeah, so, and this is, this, I was excited for this one. And it's really, it, it kind of hurts me a little bit because I myself have some money into crypto, into Bitcoin, into Ethereum and all, the, all that fun stuff. But my LaFleur of the week is, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. And that is, if, if you do know, Trevor Lawrence, he took his signing bonus, which was $22 million. He took it all in Bitcoin. So he had $22 million. And at the time that his signing bonus was, was signed and in place and everything. And again, I don't know the stipulations of, of the contract completely, but again, $22 million at the time, the price of Bitcoin was just, uh, it was just under 60 million or I'm sorry, 60,000. And so again, he had $22 million at $60,000 a coin. And as everybody knows right now, crypto is in the fucking trash. And poor Trevor Lawrence's investment, or not even really investment, but his signing bonus is down 40%. So now Trevor Lawrence, instead of signing, I guess you could frame it up like this. Um, instead of signing a, a, you know, a, a signing bonus for $22 million, down 40% now, it's going to be a signing bonus of $13.2 million, which no longer makes him the highest paid signing bonus, rookie, athlete, whatever you want to call it in history, as he was with the $22 million. But Again, sucks. I'm sure it'll go up. You know, it's how investment works. But it, man, that sucks, dude. I mean, again, just to kind of see your money go 40% downwards just through Bitcoin and you decided to get a signing bonus like that. It sucks, man. But what about you? I'm sure you got a LaFleur of the week, right? Yeah, that's absolutely brutal. I did not know that. Uh, if Trevor Lawrence needs any money back, I'm sure you could hire Keith Appling. He knows some guys <laughs> to get some money. But my uh, LaFleur of the week goes to Kwame Brown. Yes, we did put you on the map. We made you famous. I'm calling you out. Call us out. You had 8,000 followers when we broke the story of your beefs with everybody. You now have 175K in just a week Jeez. later. You, we made you famous, Kwame. Yeah, what are you this doing? Was, this was us. Stop going at people's necks when you're not invited. You just discovered the internet. I know you live on a farm. I know you didn't know what the internet was. Now that you learned you can just talk to your phone and put it out there, you're calling out all types of people who do not deserve it. Kwame Brown, we made you famous. Yep, I love that. And on top of that, Kwame Brown, I'm going to be sending you an email here. So check your inbox. I'm going to be inviting you to the to next episode of the podcast. I really hope you accept that. And again, just remember what we did for you, what the Bad Beats team did for you as far as your social media career. Now you're probably going to be doing like toothpaste advertisements <laughs> on your on your social media. So again, we'd love to have you on the podcast this Friday, Kwame. Let us know. I just sent you that email. Check your it, check your inbox. Isn't Kwame Brown in the original Career Bad Beats Award? I mean, he was the worst bust, I would say, in the NBA history, <laughs> arguably. Yeah, I, I mean, eh, yes and no. He was on the Pistons there for a little bit. I, the thing with him is he was he was all over the place, wasn't he? Didn't he play for like 18 teams? He played for a lot of teams. He was a bust. He's a bum. Kwame, we made you famous. You're welcome. Yeah, we made you famous, Kwame. Fuck you. Anyways, um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in the pod? I think that was about it. No, follow us on social media. Call us at our hotline. I will leave the links in the description. You guys know what to do by now. We are going to be doing more giveaways for any baseball fans. We're doing baseball card giveaways. We're doing cash app giveaways. We're doing Vimo giveaways. Just stay tuned. We did not have anyone win the PGA giveaway, but uh, so far you guys are crushing these giveaways, so keep it up. We really appreciate you. Yep, absolutely. And to make sure too, you know, we are, we're going to have a massive, massive, massive announcement in one week from today. It's going to be next Monday. We're going to have a huge announcement. So follow our, follow our Instagram, follow our Twitter, follow all of our stuff. We're going to have a huge announcement. And other than that, I mean, that's all I got.
Yep. Peace out, boys. Stay gambling. Stay fresh. We love you. Peace out, gentlemen. Hot for day. Greetings. This is Shirtless Mike calling in representing the island of Guam. Uh, the world appreciates a shout-out to your many listeners around the world. And uh, my topic is in reference to the Jacksonville Jaguars and first-round draft pick Trevor Lawrence, a.k.a. Young Taliban, Lil Peyton, Long Hair Don't Care, Long Meat, Go Long on the Track Meat, Lil Jesus, etc. So I've been a long-time fanatic of the ball club that he will be leading, going on 17 years now, since 2004. Thank <laughs> you.